Whoa. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. This is Connor Hallway of the Golden Hours Podcast, and this is a GDP Minute. Now, guys, I just realized I'm a fool. A fool. Because my mic wasn't even plugged in for the whole episode. Shoot. I was using the MacBook mic. I apologize. Now, with that being said, I just ran an episode with Patrick Fellows, Pat Fellows, the co-founder of the Louisiana Marathon. What a guy. What a great, nice guy. I'm going down to Louisiana shortly, and I wanted to just ask him about the race, the course, how he came up with the race, what it's like down there. It's getting me pumped, man. I'm getting goosebumps. Reminds me of high school football games, honestly. Now, we were going to have a big political episode this week, but kind of just pull a little curveball, a little scheduling conflict, so we got Pat on the show. Now, Pat talked about the fitness culture in Louisiana, how Louisiana is kind of an obese state. He talked about some of his own triathlete, excuse me, triathlon feats. And he talked about just trying to bring fitness to a pretty non-traditional fitness industry down there. I thoroughly enjoyed it. We talked about the course. He told me about the uh, huge overpass at 24.5 miles that I can expect. It's like the heaviest incline of the course. It's going to be vicious. And other than that, man, what a great dude. This is going to release after I run the marathon. So I'll just give you a little context as to what I actually ran. Now, as always, guys, you know the deal. If you by chance get any sort of value from this episode, please just share it with a friend. That's all I ask. Just share it with one friend. Not the podcast specifically. Share this episode with a friend. If you get any sort of value from it. Value equals you laugh, you cry, you're entertained. We're just trying to build a big brand here, man. I'm going to release a big movie. All love, hustling. Shouts out to Brendan for helping me prepare for this episode and shouts out to Lexi for editing. Thank you guys so much. Enjoy. Go get yours, my young kings and queens. Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait, was that not it? Hey, enter, just, you forgot to enter. Hi, I'm Pat Fellows, and this is my golden hour. Hey, uh, dude, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, no problem. I'm actually in the back. I have a, uh, I think I told you I have a healthy salad restaurant. I'm all Mondays. We deliver salads to like 60 different people and I've got a, a van. It's got a couch in the back of it. So I'm just sitting in the back of the van. Hence the nice, uh, insulation <laughs> behind me. I just yeah. pulled over on the side of the road. I know dude. So per our conversation, I've been telling honestly, like a lot of people about it. I don't know if I've ever met anybody that's held more jobs or holds more jobs than you, man. Yeah, well, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I've done a lot of different ones, though, for sure. And so I'm surprised you're not like full-blown marathon stuff right now. Well, you know, to be honest with you, it will, it's been going on for, you know, the last week. Um, After today, it'll be non-stop so monday i'm usually done with this by about lunch so i'll go from like 5 30 or 6 until lunch through lunch and then after that i'll, I'll grab something to eat and then we'll start 
just checking out what we have. We had, you know, Thursday was an all-day affair trying to get ready for this week and and Friday doing stuff as well. So I got a little breathing room. This has got to happen no matter what. So you figure it out, you get this done, then we'll we'll dive in for the marathon for the rest of the week. Now, uh, before we move on, can you just give a quick synopsis of who you are and what you do for everyone listening? <laughs> Yeah, my name is uh, Pat Fellows. Uh, I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm one of uh, five guys that own the Louisiana Marathon um, and a company called Fresh Junkie Racing, which puts on uh, a couple marathons, a couple triathlons, a bunch of different running races, 15 total. uh, The last year we had a full year. And that's it, man. Dude, and I mean, you're going to mention the fact that you swam 32 miles? Uh, i mean that's they don't lead with that <laughs> that's the first thing i tell everyone like hey yeah. what's your name i'd say you don't need to know my name i ran i swam 32 miles man yeah that was a it was a good time man it was a it was a weird time of my life and i i tried to run uh the austin marathon and got terrible it band syndrome like right. two weeks out and like a week after i jokingly said i bet you i could swim a marathon before i run one and then we did a fundraiser for Hurricane Katrina because I was from the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And so I, I decided they were always talking about like the 32 miles of sand beaches or 26 miles of sand beaches. I'm like, I'm going to give, I, I think I can do that. Terribly underprepared. <laughs> There's no way to prepare for it. Wait, so but it was cool. You did the, the coast of Mississippi. Yeah, from uh, Ocean Springs to Bay St. Louis. And what was the water like? Was it tumultuous or was it ocean water? Like, yeah, it's the Gulf of Mexico. I mean, it was uh, it was wavy. <laughs> I mean, I, I know no BS. I think I swam like maybe two hundred yards, and I'm like, I'm so unprepared for this. <laughs> like right when I hit the water, and then you you, you just kind of all right. Well, you're in now. It's not like I was going to get out, so you just. I just kept going. Wow. Now, um, yeah, I I had seen the TED Talk, so it was great. But Thank you. 100%. So you did that as a fundraiser. And when you're in the water, like at what point where did your body really start to break down? So mind you, I have done the Ironman swim myself, 2.4. And, you know, I had a little bit of gas left in the tank as a pretty inexperienced swimmer. But I was so bored. Like the boredom is what was killer. Yeah, it was. Um, gosh, man, you know, I, the last maybe three miles were pretty tough. Maybe, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, just my shoulders were killing me. You know, just it was the that was the hardest from a. I've done Ironman and other things, and it it does. I don't want to say it doesn't compare, but it was just different, right? I, mean, I think it was probably equivalent to. I haven't run a hundred miles, but I imagine it, it's similar. Like just everything from my, you know, my shoulders up from my chest up just was aching. Um, but yeah, man, it was, we did it at night. So we started at six at night and finished at 10 in the morning. So you don't like bake in the sun all day. Um, and it, I was, you know, you don't want to get the wrong song in your head because it could just kill you. <laughs> having to have just the worst song playing the whole time but 
you're not wrong, man. It gets boring at times. You're just kind of like, wow. The other thing, I guess, you know, when you're swimming in the dark, you're sighting kind of to the right. So there's a boat to your right if you're right-handed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're kind of looking that way the whole time. But the amount, like I completely uh, underestimated how hard that was going to be. And that was, pro- you know, just trying to keep up with the boat and being, you know, within – Cause it was rough and trying to be within, you know, 40 yards of it most of the time. Cause you swim over every 20 or 30 minutes and eat. And so oh, trying okay. to, so you were stopping at points. Well, just, I mean, you swim up to the boat, they throw you a bottle, you get on your back, you drink a bottle, you throw it back and you keep going. Okay. So you never left the water. No, no, we never left the water. Okay. I mean, the, when comparing it to an hundred mile race, it's, I mean, it's not even, I don't even think it's comparable. I, I wouldn't know because I've never been through either physical feet, but there's such an added level of danger with open water that you just don't have when you're running through the woods. Yeah, I get that. I don't know. I guess for me, I mean, I grew up swimming and, and swimming to me just kind of comes much more second nature. I mean, I do agree though. It's like when you, I, I tell people who are training for an Ironman, I was like, you know, once you get through the bike, it's it's pretty safe like if you're on a hard course like with big downhills and whatnot i'm like you're pretty safe like but what's the worst happens on a marathon you walk right <laughs> like you it, same with a hundred miler i imagine it's like you know there there isn't a whole heck of a lot of danger to yourself like you you get tired enough and you walk <laughs> you stop mm-hmm. and, you, and you stand in one place and rest for a bit i don't know now have you thought about doing an ultra I've done 50 K's before. I, I, man, I just. A 50 K is, is like 31, 32 miles. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I don't know that I, I don't have, I've never had the urge to run 50 miles or a hundred miles. And I would, I mean, I would for sure want to go, you know, do a 50 miler before I did a hundred miler, you know, and, and probably do a 50 miler, then a hundred K, then a hundred miler. But I don't know, man, it just doesn't, that doesn't interest me very much. I don't know why. Uh, you know, I, I came to running the the last of the sports, I guess. Um, well, I came to triathlon kind of together. Um, but I didn't really run until I was about 30. So for whatever reason, running is always the hardest to me. So that kind of sounds, I don't know, it sounds awful. Like I would go swim again before I would go run. Like I'd, I'd go, you know, do something long in the water again, I think. Yeah, I'm noticing as I kind of enter the space a little bit that most people who participate in triathlons, they have one foundational sport and they have one they really hate. Yeah, I mean, I've been running for 20 years and I still don't love it. You know, I mean, I I, I say that, but it's not one like if given the opportunity, I'll go I'll go ride or I'll swim if, if nobody's pushing me. Now, I love the bike. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, you can listen to podcasts on the bike, man. That's right. Absolutely. So I've tried doing that running, and it's terrible. Like I'm like, I got, I can't, I got to get this off. I can do an audio book if it's like a, a very long, easy run. I did Matthew McConaughey's book when I was running, and like my pace was inevitably slower. Yeah, it's really slow. Yeah, I, I started his. Uh, I started that uh, audiobook. I think I'd rather read it, but uh, yeah, I think that for sure, I, 
the it does the bike is a lot more conducive to podcasts for sure now um when did you start the louisiana marathon when did that happen how did it happen so the 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 longer swim led to um putting on some events called uh rocket kids and rocket chicks it was a like a beginners women's triathlon series and kids race and we started putting those on in like 2007 um and from there i reconnected with my a guy i graduated from high school a guy named craig sweeney and over the next couple years we started looking at you know we started adding some races we started adding some running races so we were putting on maybe four races a year five races a year uh it was a couple of uh it was two kids tries two women's tries and then um, a couple of runs. And he and I got down, you know, sat down and we started talking about putting, uh, there's a bell tower on LSU's campus. And then the state capitol is a tower. And we were going to do this tower to tower 10K was how the, the original kind of idea started. And then by the time we got done with coffee that day we had decided we were going to put on a marathon and that we were going to call rock and roll and see if we could get one and blah 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 and we went back and forth and we finally i think not while we started exploring it rock and roll bought um a race in new orleans uh it was called the mardi gras marathon they bought that so rock and roll was coming to new orleans and we just said man let's just do our own and so we gave ourselves about 18 months and put on the first uh, Louisiana Marathon 10 years ago. Um, for everyone listening, can you just kind of elaborate what the Rock and Roll Marathon is? I know, but most people, I'm in Boston, so most people won't. Yeah, so Rock and Roll is a brand. It's owned by, uh, it was started by a competitor group, um, but they started, They I don't remember which one started it, but it was a series of, uh, races and their idea behind it originally i think was that they would have bands at every couple miles to kind of keep entertained the whole way uh, but they've had them all over i mean they had them in san antonio they have las vegas i know they have them uh shoot i don't they don't i don't know that they do the one in new orleans anymore um they do one in orlando i mean so there, there's maybe a dozen of them maybe upwards of 20 at one point uh that they've done and over time, actually, Iron Man and whoever the company is that owns Iron Man now owns Rock and Roll as well. So, yeah, that was the deal. But, yeah, we, we decided we, we thought we could do our own here. And, you know, for the longest up until this year, you know, kind of our big claim to fame is really just the celebration of food and music. Like Louisiana is known for festivals. And so we wanted ours, you know, a lot of races – you know, around the world, you do a, a marathon, you're lucky to get a couple cold beers and maybe a bag of chips and a banana and you go on your way. And like our first year, I think we had 38 restaurants, you know, about all the beer you could possibly drink. And it was all included, uh, three bands. And that was on both days. So Saturday we do a 5k and a quarter marathon. And then Sunday is the full and the half. We do a kid's race on uh, Saturday as well, but we did, so there's an after party for both of them. Um, and it's just, it's awesome, man. You know, it's Louisiana is really known for festivals, like, especially during the spring. That's, I mean, the, the COVID thing has been terrible for that, that part of the business and events and whatnot. But, uh, you know, this year we won't have it, but that's been our deal. I, I will 100% guarantee you will not 
go to a race and have a better after party than we do ever. Not in the world. Now, what are some, I know that's what I was reading online a lot too. Everyone's pumped about like the Cajun food and like eating a bunch of greasy stuff after now, now question, what is the COVID protocol for Saturday and Sunday? Just so I can know what to expect. So it's actually the way it's going to be set up is it's, it's been an interesting, uh, I'll say journey, but uh, it's been an interesting, interesting path to try to get this thing going. So we initially wanted to have corrals, right? But then we didn't want people closed in. So we were like, how do you have corrals and how do you keep people socially distanced without barricades and having people, you know, kind of locked down on each other? So basically what we have, you ever seen the little, like at a soccer game, they have little kind of round puck looking things that are bright orange. We are going to have individual spots on the ground, six feet apart. uh, And they're set up in groups of, I want to say 250 per, but there'll be corral A, corral B, corral C, corral D, and everybody will have a spot on the ground with which to stand before the race. And so corral A will be pulled into the, into by the start line and they'll go off. And basically when the first four people go, once they get 25 feet then the next line, then the next line, then the next line. And so then we'll be, I think we have all the way through corral M maybe. Um, don't quote me on it, but basically almost everybody will have a spot to be in before the race. Cause what we didn't want was four corrals and then say 200 people waiting because they're going to congregate no matter what, right? Um, everybody will wear masks leading up to it. Once you cross the start line and you're off, you pull your mask off, carry it with you. And when you finish, put it back on. Um, but yeah, and then it's seated by time. So ideally, you know, it should be a long line of people spread out from start to finish, fastest to slowest. Now, what's so interesting is I just had um, Dave McGillery on the podcast. Yeah. I don't know if you know him. He organizes Boston. We had him on last week. Yep, he came. He's been down here for our race before. I know. Yeah, he was saying he really likes it, and uh, it's just um, it it goes to show the stark difference in political climate because. If you were to try to do the Louisiana Marathon up here right now, people would have a heyday. But Louisiana is, a much, is in a much different space COVID-wise than we are, which is why I'm headed down. You know, it's interesting. So we did this We did this method for the Mississippi Gulf Coast Marathon December uh, 9th-ish. Um, we've put on five races so far using this method, and we've put – I mean, I think that Mississippi Gulf Coast Marathon, we had somewhere around 3,000 people on race day. Um, and so for that one, man, we had two, it's a point to point. So we had two start lines doing this at the same time. Um, but yeah, Mississippi was very much the same. The climate is uh, much more relaxed. Um, you know, I coach cross country, I think I told you, and I had you know, even all summer long, I had middle school and high school kids running all summer. And, you know, I'm of the belief that running outside is a pretty safe activity. Um, you know, I'm not. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're face to face with somebody and you're 
well, then that's another thing. But, you know, even running side by side, I mean, my kids were ran all summer. We had 65 kids over the summer. Not one kid got sick. And so it, it's, it is a different climate. Um, I'm happy for that. We're very thankful to be able to put the events on. Um, we've worked very hard with the city and the state to try to be, you know, we've, we've spoken with a, the department of the head of the department of the health, trying to get our COVID plan together. And it's much more elaborate than I explained to you, but that's just what the runner is going to see, right? Like that's the one thing that you want to know, but we had to go through many, many hoops to, to make sure that it was a, a safe socially distanced event. And again, it, you know, when you think about it, they keep telling us, stay six feet apart, wear a mask. Well, that's what you're going to be doing. Plus you'll be outside. And for the most part, you know, we feel that that's a, a, a safe way to go. You're probably just so sick of talking about COVID at this point. It's probably just tiring, man. You know, my, like I was saying, the, the company is Fresh Junkie Racing. It's myself, Jonathan Juba, Patrick O'Brien, a guy named Mike Watney, and then my friend Craig Sweeney, who's owner of the marathon as well. And Jonathan and Mike spent a lot of time all summer working on, on the plans and whatnot. And now, you know, Pat O's the actual course director, uh, and he and Jonathan have been working tirelessly to get things done. Um, I mean, all of us have, but they've done the lion's share of, you know, it's, we had an executed permit for January. And then as we saw numbers going up and we were speaking with the city, the city was getting cold feet and we're like, hey, let's just move it out. Like, if that makes everybody like, if our options are maybe they, the, the plug gets pulled or we get a chance to put it on in March, let's do that. So we pushed it, we voluntarily pushed it back and, you know, it was almost starting from scratch. Patrick, I, I lost your video real quick. And that was, uh, that was tough. Yep. I'm back. Sorry. My phone flipped through. Anyway, it, it was having, we had to start over. We had to start over with getting permits and start over that process again and almost starting over with the conversations. So the guys on the team have, have talked a lot about it for sure. Now, what is the status of COVID in Louisiana right now? I honestly don't know. I've never it's been actually around. going. Yeah. I mean, it's actually going in the, in the right direction. I don't, I, you know, I didn't look at any numbers or anything today, but I do know that the, uh, we've heard a lot that the governor is supposed to actually make an announcement this week to, even lessen some of the restrictions. We've heard a lot about that. Uh, again, who knows, right? Every time there's a, a press conference, you don't know if it's going to be good or bad or, or what have you. Um, the weather um, down here has been much more conducive to people being outside. So that, that's been nice as of late. It'll be a, it'll be a great weekend. Dude, Weather's going to be perfect for you. I'm pumped to meet you, man. I'm pumped to get down there. It's going to be awesome. It's I've been training in, um, a brutal, brutal Boston winter. So a lot of snow, a lot of ice, a lot of really cold temperatures. So it's going to be interesting to see how my times adapt to it's looking like, is it like 50, 60 degrees Sunday? Is that what it's looking like? Yeah, I think I, I looked this morning. I think it's uh, 46 in the morning with a high of 65. Sweet spot. Yeah, man. A little bit more. It, I mean, well, I don't know. Boston's pretty humid, isn't it? I've only been there for the marathon uh, two or three times. Um, I honestly don't really know. I, and I, I honestly don't know how humidity affects performance. Cause I've really only run up here. Could you elaborate? 
Yes. Well, I mean, down here it can be, you know, the winter is actually kind of, if it's 40 down here, it's also still like 85, 90% humidity. So in the cold, it doesn't, it doesn't affect your performance per se. It's just colder. It feels cold and wet here all the time. Um, I will say is the, the temperatures go up after you get in like 75, 80 degrees and you have humidity, it's brutal. It's like, you just, you feel like you're breathing through a sock. And then, but that, I mean, for the weekend, it's not going to be like that. It's not going to be that hot. It won't matter. Again, it'll just, be, it'll feel a little wetter maybe than you're used to, but that's about it. Now, are, are you going to run the race or are you, are you just? No, man, we've never, nobody on our team has ever been. Well, I say that the Pat O'Brien and Jonathan Juba, before they were with the company, ran the first year. Both of them ran the marathon. And the run, rest of us have. Your own course? I mean, I've run every mile of it multiple times. Um, I run the back half of it almost, gosh, I've run the back half of it probably a dozen times. And then the front half in, in chunks too. Just it, it's like there's a downtown part, and there's you went through LSU, and then there's a bunch of different neighborhoods and whatnot. So, you know, if you think about it, it's probably maybe there's 17 or 18 miles of road. There's some, you hit some a couple different times and different things like that. But uh, yeah, I haven't, we've never, we've talked about it, but shoot, by the time we get done with it, we're on to race season and there's, <laughs> there's not a lot of time for it, unfortunately. I hear you. Hey, uh, Pat, you're, you're just a little bit laggy. I don't know if it's a Wi-Fi connection or I got no idea. I mean, we can keep rocking like this. Just don't know if there's something you can possibly adjust. I think this is going to be about it the best I got, man. If we need to, I don't know. That's fine. Don't worry about it. No problem. Um, so question, in terms of aid stations with the old COVID protocol, what, you still got an aid station or water station every mile on the course? Yeah. And basically you'll have to pull your own water. So it'll be on the table. You'll just have to grab it. They're not, nobody's going to be handing things to you. Now I've been training with a carbohydrate drink and yep. I'm wondering, my mom's actually going to be there. I'm wondering if I can give her my drink and have her post up and I can just scoop it from her at certain points. I mean, you know, again, we don't encourage any outside assistance, but if you know where you're going to pass by, it can be something on the ground, et cetera. You know, I mean, that won't be, we just, we've had in the past, do you run in the full or the half? Full thing, baby. I like it. I mean, there should be plenty of aid on the course. Um, the problem is your mom's going to have some trouble getting around because the whole city gets shut down. Okay, cool. Now, have you ever had anyone, like, really explode on the course, if you know what I mean? Anything, ever seen some really bad stuff? No, nah, you know, everybody has, there's, I mean, I don't want to say everybody, but, you, you know, there's, a lot of people get out there who aren't properly trained for it. And there's always payback for that. Um, you know, one of my best friends one year, I mean, he killed it. I, I mean, he's, he's a really good runner, but didn't drink water. And then was doing like in the week leading up to it was doing some sort of fasting thing. And like ended up having to spend two days in the hospital because he dehydrated, but that was his own mistake, not just from running. Right. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I, I think that the, the things that I see the most are the people that go into it under train and run the first four miles thinking they're having the best day of their life. Like I always tell people that I've coached and worked with them. Like, Hey, if you, if, if you're in the first four miles and you think you're having the best day of your life, you're not like, it's <laughs> true. You, you're going to pay for this somewhere along the way. So I always tell people to run the first four miles the easiest and then then decide if they're going to have a great day. You know, I mean, within their paces, they don't have to go overly slow. But if you're running, you know, if you get excited and caught up in the moment and you run the first four miles and you're 30 seconds faster than any run you've done before, you need to check yourself because you're going to pay for it. Well, dude, yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. I've been running pretty solo and uh, that's one thing I've been preparing for myself. I'm like, I know I'm going to get down there and I'm going to be like fucking pumped. And I'm going to like come out at like a six minute pace and I'm then I'm just going to explode at 10. So I've been trying to prepare for that as much as possible. And, and I mean, why, look, go ahead. You know, I tell people like when they're if they're if they have a Garmin or whatever run, like when they hit that first mile or whatever and it goes off, like remember, like when that remind yourself, like when I that first mile goes off to check myself and, and, go, and know that, like, you're not having the best day of your life, like. If you're running a six-minute mile, unless you ran six-minute miles for 20 miles, you're not going to continue to do so. Now, strategy-wise, I mean, you've run a million. How do you normally compartmentalize your runs? For me, I personally like to cut things up into four to six miles. If it's a half, I cut them up into like quarter. I cut the course into quarters, right? And really just kind of, make sure that I'm number one, that I'm getting in my liquids and my, my fuel in the first quarter, like start early. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a pain in the butt. And sometimes aid stations can be a little bit slower and blah, blah, blah at the beginning, but like, it's really difficult to catch up nutrition in a race, right? Like you just, you want to take that time. If it, if it takes you 15, 20 seconds a mile for the first three or four miles, but making sure that you're getting in what you need, like you need to do that. Um, you know, I usually tell people to take the first three quarters of the race and be really conservative. And like, if they're having a great race after that amount, after 18 miles, then do whatever you want. Right. But you know, what usually happens is they get to that 18 mile mark and they go, Oh, Oh, I need to, I, I need, I, I'll stay. I, if they can stay where they are, they're happy. Right. So that's kind of just, I don't want to say being over conservative, but just trying to, again, not get caught up in the moment and, and be aware and be aware of what they've done and, and to do the things that they've done, you know, for, for their whole training block. You know, you see people a lot of times who will like think they need to do some sort of crazy carb load the night before and they'll eat different, you know, than they have and just pay for it dearly. It's like, don't do anything different. Like you've, you've gotten this far doing what you're doing. There's no magic pill in the last week that's going to change the race for you in a good way. But there's lots of things that you can do that will hit you in a bad way, right? So that just to be conservative and, and try to do just what you've always done. Now, you, so you don't recommend any sort of carb load the week of? You know, what I'm saying is if you haven't, if you don't normally, let's say what I don't want you to do is do anything drastically different, right? So if you eat carbs, eat carbs. If you're eating, you know, I usually tell people starting on Tuesday or Wednesday, stop eating a ton of like harsh vegetables. 
you know, eat simple rice, simple pasta, not with a lot Elaborate of heavy what salt. what you mean by harsh? Broccoli, greens, things that are hard to digest. Okay, okay. This is coming I mean, from I'm a huge, junkie. I mean, I'm, I mean, you can't be branding vegetables I, like that, man. Man, I am a salad. Look, I am a salad junkie, but like as the week, as, as you get closer to a race, like, hey, let's let's back it off. We, we can get as much romaine as we want on Monday. I mean, some people, look, I've got a guy that works for me. He eats salad all the time, leading her straight up through it. Whatever. I'm just trying to do some best practices. Now, so what I'm planning on doing carbohydrate-wise is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to top out at around like 500 to 600 grams of carbs like two days leading up. You know, normally I'm sitting around 400, so just a little bit extra. That's fine. Okay. I mean, you see some people, though, who will go, like, the night before and eat, like, four plates of pasta, thinking they're doing themselves a, a favor. It's just it's nutty. I'll tell you one thing I really love about endurance training. So I, I lifted my whole life. You can yeah. – the diet is way more fun with the endurance training. Oh, man, you can eat. Dude, it's awesome. You better eat. You better eat. I'm, I'm pumped to – get down there and try out some of the Baton Rouge restaurants too. You got some Cajun food down there. What are you guys normally rocking? Oh man, I'm going to, I'm going to have you a short, I'll, I'll, I'll text you a short list of all the places you need to go. We'll get you set up. We'll get you set up with where you need to go. Pre post everything. When are you coming in Thursday or Friday? I'm coming in on Thursday. Okay. Well, I'll, when definitely, you in, I'll, I'll definitely come by your restaurant if you're going to be there. Yeah, for sure. We'll, uh, we'll set up a time for sure on Thursday to meet and then we'll, uh, but I'll make sure that you get the, uh, you go to the right places pre post and whatever. We'll make sure you're, you're set up. Thank you, man. Yeah, man. Now question. This is just, this is going to sound totally, I don't want it to sound disrespectful whatsoever, but in Boston, I think the the general consensus when they think about Louisiana outside of Mardi Gras and like new Orleans and the saints, they think like it's kind of a fat state. Was it tough for you to usher in like endurance training in your state? Was that new? I mean, there's always been a group of, of people, but we have been, I think our group is most proud of the fact that we have given people an opportunity to, tr to learn about training for an event, to get healthy, to get fit. Like that is why we all got into this no bs like it's you know some people get into events for different reasons and whatnot some people come from like long running lineages and whatnot we got into it because you know the original rocket kids foundation that we were involved with was trying to to provide opportunities for kids and women in triathlon that weren't there and so you know at one time i was telling you i was i uh i worked for mizuno and i was like at one point, I had this kind of like perfect circle. It's like, here's a race to train for. I'm going to sell you the shoes that you're going to use to do it. I'm going to feed you this. I'm going to give you a coaching plan here, and I'm going to give you the race to do. And it was like you had everything you could want for like an ecosystem of getting healthy. Um, we, we know we could go live somewhere else and be in a healthy, healthier state, right? It's Baton Rouge at one time was the fattest city in the world. It was the fattest city in the fattest state. I was like, I mean, what, what am I doing? Like, 
should I be here? But of course, you know, it's, I love it here. And, and we've, you know, been here a long time. We've, we've put in a lot of work to, to do what we think is hopefully make it a little bit better. Right. And, and that's, that's always been the goal with us is to give people the opportunities. I mean, we have, we have races in Mississippi, Alabama, and Louisiana. Like you don't have to be disrespectful or anything. Look out the window. It's not healthy here. Like it's just not. So I'm not being like totally arrogant and ignorant when I say this. No, no. I mean, it's the, I don't know. I've never been. Yeah. I mean, those three states are, are usually 48, 49 and 50. We started this thing with this concept of Louisiana 49 to one. We were the 49th state in the nation and almost every health measurement you could deal. And we had this idea of like, could we take our state from 49 to one? Of course, that's, we're never going to be number one, but if we can make some incremental gains and we can make some opportunities for people, I mean, I think that's, that's the big game. How does that happen systemically? Like how does a state become so obese? Is it just like the food offering or just lack of knowledge? You know, I think that, I mean, Southern food, there's a lot of different things at play. I mean, the climate, it is so hot here. Like in the summer, like nobody wants to get outside and do stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it's really bad. You know, the way Louisiana and, and probably a lot of Southern families, in, I'll say Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, like food is our culture. Like it's not just a, a thing to do. Like you're going to, if you come, you will eat the best food in the world here. And like everybody knows how to cook and everybody knows how to cook great things. And so, you know, it's not just as easy as saying eat healthy, right? Like everything that people have been brought up on for, for years is unhealthy and they don't know any different. So, I mean, that's part of it. Uh, I mean, there's always a education, you know, I would say that maybe people don't know as much. I don't know. I think that there's a lot of healthy, healthier people here and it's going in the right direction. I think you also have to look at as a rule, no matter where you are in the United States, poverty has a tendency to coincide with obesity and you know half of baton rouge is impoverished so those you know there's there's things that's beyond just people making poor choices now i'm sure on a the business end i'm sure that actually provides a great opportunity for your salad bars because i'm sure there's just like a a totally niche market there of people who want to be super healthy and you're probably like a, a one of one or a one of two right yeah, we, we, there's a few different places. And again, I think that over time it's gotten healthier here, but uh, you know, that, that is one of the things that is an advantage here is, is being one of the healthier concepts. We we're happy about that. So. Well, dude, I was going to say like, if you start a salad bar up in Boston, you'd be like one of a gazillion. Right. For sure. I've been to the, uh, the sweet green at like wherever it is, right at the finish line at oh. Boston. Yeah. It's a good, I mean, they're great. It's a good place, but I'm glad they're not here. That's a competitor. We don't like them, man. That's right. And they're expensive. That's true. What up? Okay. So now when you started personally becoming an endurance athlete, were you able to find a community like pretty immediately or were you kind of just doing things on your own? Like where your, was your family into it? Um, you know, my family wasn't as my, my wife wasn't, I grew up swimming on the Mississippi Gulf coast. So I always knew that community. Um, but 
in Baton Rouge, I mean, we, I found, I, I got into triathlon and everything. I think I told you after like a, a bad snowboarding accident, I'd never been snowboarding. And on the first day, like got a fourth degree shoulder separation was just out. Um, and so to rehab, I started swimming and uh, then I was, you know, much heavier. I was probably 220, 225. And a buddy of mine was like, man, you should do triathlon. So I started doing spin classes with them. And then he's like, come run. And I'm like, uh, here we go. But I had never really run. So I started doing that. But, you know, so I kind of got into a, what was the, the Baton Rouge triathlon community straight away. Like that's where I started. And then, you know, over the years have helped try to build it and support it and be involved in as much as we could here. And, and now just for everyone listening, how many marathons have you done? I have done standalone marathons, not as many, uh, maybe a half dozen, but I've done a half dozen Ironmans as well. They have um, them in New Orleans or? No, they don't. They used to have a half there, which, and I've probably done a dozen halves. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, a couple 50Ks here and there, just kind of whatever as we've started to put on races we don't get to race as much yeah i hear you you know dave um i don't know if you know this about him the guy who organized the boston marathon he's he starts like seven hours after the marathon finishes and then he'll run through the night and he'll just make sure he's the last one all right patrick's glitch glitch mode yo yo you there Dude, man, so happy you're back, man. I'm so sorry. I had technological difficulties big time. Dude, no problem. It happens. We're living in a crazy world. I'm just glad that we've been able to run this, man. It's been fun. Absolutely. Now, now let me just, uh, Lexi and B, why don't we start with Lexi? They both have questions. Absolutely. Hey, Patrick. So my question is, um, as someone who works with athletes a lot and people who are in the fitness world, what do you think that people misunderstand about running? What do they misunderstand? I think that people underestimate and decide what they are capable of well before they ever really do it, if that makes sense, that they, they put parameters upon themselves and say that, oh, well, I can't do this. I can't run that fast. I can't do X, Y, and Z. And that, I mean, it's so, so mental to me, I think. And I think that people really don't, um, that would be the biggest thing is that they don't understand how much of it is mental and how much they decide things ahead of time. I could not agree with you more. I mean, it's, it's interesting because I also I coach high school kids and watching them over, you know, I've coached some of them from freshman to senior year and different kids. Some kids never get it, but you see other kids finally get it like along the way. But, it's you know, it's different for everybody. And once they do, they just it, it just they bring it to another level. And it's so cool to watch them watch that happen. You know, as somebody that's coached people for a long time, the coolest thing for me is 100% watching somebody else reach their goal as opposed to reaching a goal of my own. Um, I think that after you do it for a while, you kind of, 
like, yeah, it's cool to, to do things. And I want to, I want to achieve the things that I want to do, but it's so special to, to be involved with somebody else doing something that they didn't think they were capable of that. Uh, that's the biggest, my ba- greatest thing. I mean, watching, working the finish line and watching people finish, you know, from, I had a good friend of mine two years ago who qualified for Olympic trials. It's just as good to watch them as it is to watch somebody finish, you know, a six hour marathon who's never didn't think they could do anything like that before. So that's kind of long and drawn out, but those are the, that's the number one thing for sure. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think in in terms of, uh, kind of surprising yourself in terms of what you're physically capable of. I think momentum is so important. You got to just string together a couple of good workouts or a couple of workouts where you hit your goal. And then you kind of start thinking a little bit different. Would you concur? Yeah. I mean, I think that there's always key workouts along the way that, that make people go, Oh, I can do this. I mean, I have a guy that I'm working with. who's going to run the half and he did a 12 mile run I don't know, two weeks ago, and I think he ran like 9.30 pace. And yesterday he texted me, and he's like, I'm hoping to hold 9.45 to 10-minute pace. I'm like, Mark, like, you don't think you can eke out one more mile at 9.30? Like, come on, dude. Like, you've already set yourself, like, you're underestimating what you're capable of. Come on, Mark. Come on, Mark. What's wrong with you, man? Use some common sense. So – Brendan is uh, is also new into the running world, and he uh, he just smashed out a 10-mile run recently. B, you got a question? Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about your blog because I, I was looking at it, and I'm wondering what, it, what inspires you to write so often, and also, like, who are some of the writers or philosophers that really have changed your life? Um, you know, it's weird. I started writing, I think, when I did my swim. And then I would go and I would write uh, back and forth, you know, every, it would be once a week or, you know, a couple times a week and blah, blah, blah. And then it would fall off and it would fall off for six months, a year at a time. And about two years ago, I just started writing almost every day. And I did it for, I think, 270 days in a row. I wrote about 500 words and it just, it became more of a habit. I still kind of will ebb and flow a little bit with it but it's for me the the biggest thing is just being consistent with it um you know uh, unlike a lot of things that I've done I've tried to use it I don't I don't I mean it's not strictly like a therapeutic thing for me but I tried to pull some of the parameters off of it and just like hey I'm gonna write every day and I'm gonna put out you know I'll wake up early whatever I think about is what you're gonna get like I don't I don't put a whole bunch of rules on it. And so it can be a little bit all over the place, but I've never tried to box it in and go, well, everything's going to be this month about X, right? It's just whatever it is. Um, You know, I've read, I love Malcolm Gladwell's stuff. I really like how he writes. I love the, everything about what he does, um, which is. You liked outliers. What's that? You liked outliers. I liked all of them, man. Outliers, uh, what the dog saw. There's all sorts of great, great books that he's done. Um, I like how he, the way he, uh, the timing, I guess, is how he, how he does things, how he starts things and finishes things and, and gives you a little bit and comes kind of back and forth with things. You know, growing up, I was a huge Stephen King fan and I started reading him again and have really 
kind of enjoyed that. It's it's different, mm-hmm. right? Like you, yeah. you kind of like sometimes you like like beach reading where you just don't have to think about it. And and you know, those are the types of things you like. There's a woman named Mary Carr who uh is a memoir writer who I've I've read a lot of her stuff. She's she's one of those people I read it and I go, man, it makes you it's like anything. It's like when you see somebody really good, it makes you feel like you're not even doing the same thing as they're doing. She's a she's a type of writer like that. So those are those are some of the ones that I've been doing right now. And then I try to I have been I, I just read actually one of Stephen King's books called On Writing. And it talks about writing because I've been trying to get better. And one of his things is like you got to read a lot and you and you got to write a lot if you want to be a good writer. And so that's what I try to do is is read a lot and write as much as I can. Yeah, I'm sure it's just probably similar to running. The more you do it. That are you going to get? And, and and guess what? Being consistent and doing it the same time every day and all the simple things that we know work with kind of building any sort of habit. I mean, like with your podcast, like I'm sure you you had a couple of- I have not missed ready. one week. Yeah, exactly. In two right? and a half years. And that matters, right? It matters big time. Absolutely. If you missed a week, you'd freak out. Well, actually, I lied. Well. <laughs> I lied, I lied. When it, so I'll tell you about this at the end of the episode, but we shot a movie this summer and Lexi and another one of our producers produced the podcast with behind the scenes interviews. So I wasn't actually running interviews, but we have, we haven't missed a week drop in an episode. I mean, look, and it's about when I was talking about what parameters I put on my writing and what rules I put on it. Like, I feel like we're, we're all very much, we can be very hard on ourselves about, these are the rules. And if I don't do it this way, it doesn't count. Or if I do it this way, it does count. But really just as long as you're continuing to produce, I mean, for me being somebody that considers themselves a writer or a creative person, that's what matters. It's just like for a while, I, I thought that if I didn't put it out on the internet every day, it didn't count. Like in my brain, like that. Yeah, was I like, got that same mania brain as you. I know exactly what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Like the last step is putting it out into the universe. And if I don't, then did it, I even, it was kind of like the, the, if the tree falls in the woods thing, but you know, I've kind of gotten over that and I've, I've worked on some longer things that I haven't published yet and put out and, uh, and I'm okay with it. It's kind of like, you know, giving, giving yourself a little bit of a break as long as you're still producing, right? At least for me. Maybe like a, a Fifty Shades of Grey type novel. Maybe. Like maybe. I mean, uh, we can only hope that we could have one hit like that. Then we could go do whatever the heck we wanted to. Whenever. Oh, 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 you want to go to the sexual romance route? That, that's the next book? Could be. You never know. I know. I always thought someone should make the male version of Fifty Shades of Grey. Call it like. I mean, I think. Call it Twenty Shades of Red. Maybe. <laughs> I think. I feel like. I don't think the is out there as much for that, right? Dude, I'd read it. If you wrote it, I'd read it. All right, right, man. Listen, I got a couple final questions for you. All right, hit me. First one is, you've been having fun, man? Absolutely. I'm pumped. I mean, I was in my van killing my phone, and I've now hijacked the Starbucks and in in the other seat, getting the Wi-Fi going again so we can make this happen. Let's go, man. I'm yep. pumped to meet you, man. I'm pumped to get down there. Now, question. The, so the course, for the most part, is pretty flat, correct? Correct. And will I be able to scope the course out pretty fluidly when I get down there? Yeah, absolutely. It'll be, it's, easy to, it's easy to get around on. Um, 
Are you renting a car? Yes. Yes. Then you'll be able to drive the whole course if you want to ahead of the race. There will be a couple spots at LSU that you might not be able to drive until Saturday just because it's a it's a closed campus to vehicles until like Friday at I think maybe five. But that's we're talking a mile and a half, two miles of the course. You wouldn't be able you'd be able to see it from both sides, but not actually drive it. And whole course is pavement, correct? Uh, yes. Now. I read there was one incline and it's a highway overpass, correct? Yes, it's an incline. You'll hit it at mile one and a half and mile 24 and a half. Oh, you're a sicko. You're yeah. sick. Does it it's kill the same people? One. I love it. It's, it I mean, it's, it, it, there's like 200 feet of climbing on the whole course. Dude, that's the last thing you want to think about at that point in the race, though. Yeah, well, just think about the other side of it. You're going to be able to come down it. Uh, you've definitely seen some bad stuff on that overpass. People, we were, after the first year, my friends and I were running a, a 5K and we were running beside some strangers and the 5K happened to go over this same overpass. It was like somebody was, was right ahead of me or right beside me. It was like, man, I don't know who that asshole was who put this on the 24th mile of the Louisiana Marathon. I was like, oh, that was me. They're like, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's one hill in this town. You're going to get it twice. It's like the heartbreak hill of Baton Rouge. Yeah, but it's not, it's not nearly as hard. Sweet. Well, I'm coming in um, with a pretty severe foot injury right now, I'm going to be honest with you, which sucks. I got it like three days ago, but I'm going to run anyway. Just... I've been, I've been disciplined every single workout. I got to, I got to finish. That's number two. Now, number three, we have two ending bits to the show. Are you ready? Sure. The first one is I made a big movie this past summer. Okay. We're currently in post-production. We're in about month four. And the only thing I asked from you, Pat, is when I release this movie, you get all the hot Baton Rouge house moms together and you guys watch. Right. We'll do it for sure. You're the man. And the final bit, how we end the show. Listen, I'm only going to say this once. That raging Cajun attitude. You got to say hi, your name. And this is my golden hour directly after no break in between hi your name and that was my golden hour give it a, i'll give it a go let's go hi i'm pat fellows and this is my golden hour and hi i'm pat fellows and that was my golden hour perfectly executed man awesome Shoot me a text when you get in, man. We'll love to see you. We'll grab, uh, we'll grab some dinner or something. We'll try to figure it out. Thursday is going to be the easiest for sure. I got you, man. Hey, thank you so much. And I will uh, talk to you soon and I'll see you soon. All right, guys. Have a good day. Thanks.